Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. in the back shut the fuck up pay attention you might learn something i know i know emerson lake and palmer out of left field huh well not really for me there was a time in my life when i was probably in seventh grade or so and i really got into prog rock now by the time ninth grade came i discovered punk rock and i hated all the prog rock it took me years to get back to it It wasn't until bands like Mastodon appeared who would openly say that they cared about bands like King Crimson. And then there was Porcupine Tree with Steven Wilson, and he loves all this shit, unashamedly. He's the king of Prague right now, and I'll be doing a show on him eventually. But yes, for a few years there, I was knee-deep in this shit. As I may or may not have mentioned, when I was a kid, I would often listen to the radio all night long. I've always had problems sleeping. And so back then, FM radio was the deal. If you wanted to listen to something all night long, it was FM radio. And so late, late one night, the song From the Beginning came on the radio, and it really blew my mind. It was really chilled out and everything, but then there was a strange instrument at the end. I didn't know what it was. But I found out it was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and so began my strange little journey into Prague. I 
Emerson, Lake and Palmer were a supergroup that formed in 1970. They featured Keith Emerson, who had been in a band called The Nice previously, Greg Lake, who had been in King Crimson, and Carl Palmer, who had been in Atomic Rooster and The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. So when these three got together, there was a bit of a buzz, and they got signed on their names alone and were expected to sell records just like that. There's an urban myth that Jimi Hendrix was going to be in the band at one point, and they were going to be called H-E-L-P, but that wasn't true. To me, the best part of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer has always been Greg Lake's vocals. Even back in King Crimson, his voice was just really beautiful. Powerful, gleaning, smooth. I just love to hear his voice. I still do. He would often work with a lyric writer named Peter Sinfield on these songs. Carl Palmer had like a hundred-piece drum set that Neil Peart was probably in awe of. And Keith Emerson had banks of synthesizers and keyboards. And I mean, you'll never see that again. It was completely unwielding and just a mess. Stacks and stacks of keyboards. And then all of these plugs and wires. This was back when the keyboard player could be a star of a show because he was the most audacious of all three of them, even over the drummer. A guy in, you know, flashy clothes. Maybe you could say Rick Wakeman was also from this school. The band was bombastic, self-indulgent. One music critic said, how do you spell pretentious? The answer, ELP. They had touches of jazz, a little bit of symphonic music, lots of classical. That was really their hook, was that they were taking classical music and bringing it to the masses. The featured instrument, the Moog synthesizer. What's really cool is I don't live very far from Asheville, which is where Moog ended up living, and there's a Moog factory there today. But the Moog synthesizer was so important to this band that they really pioneered its use. They brought that sound into rock music as a solo instrument, which really hadn't been done much before. So they debuted at the Isle of Wight, and it was a smash hit, and they began work on their new album. Their debut, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, came out in 1970, and Greg Lake produced it as he had done with King Crimson. The hit single off of this was Lucky Man. It was written by Greg Lake when he was 12 years old, when he was just learning to play guitar. It's a very simple song if you want to pick up a guitar and try to play it. It's very English, very English song, and it's basically a rewrite of Richard Corey. White horses and ladies by the score, all dressed in satin and waiting by the door. Ooh, 
the end of the record and we were one track short. So I said, well, look, you know, I've got this little thing I wrote when I was a kid and nobody liked it. So Carl Palmer and I, we recorded the first pass together, just drums and acoustic guitar. In the end, it sounded pretty good. You know, it sounded like a record. You know, it had gone from this silly little folk song to this quite big production. He said, I've just had this gadget delivered next door. It's called a Moog synthesizer. He said, I haven't tried it before, but maybe there's a sound on there that would work on this. I flipped it in record and pressed play. The track went through and Keith experimented. And when it got to the end, I turned to the engineer, Eddie Offord, and I said, was that me or did that sound good? And that is the solo that's on the record. So I said to Keith, Keith, you've got to come and hear this. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I was only playing around, just, just experimenting. So in the end, after a lot of to and fro, Keith came in and heard it. And then it was game, set, and match. And that became the record. The Odd Lucky Man. The album gets into much deeper territory with Take a Pebble. Very jazz-influenced song. Beautiful song. Lots of dynamics in the song that build up to a nice rocking end. Shreds of our memories are lying on your grass. Wounded words of laughter are graveyards of the past. Photographs of grandson scattered in your fields. Letters. Knife Edge was probably a song that a band like Mastodon or Opeth would look to as an early influence. Very heavy, very cool, in my opinion, still to this day. When the flames have their season
Now the song Tarkus, I'm going to put a sample in here, but it's really impossible to wrap your head around. It's way too long. I would have had to put a 20 minute song in the middle of this podcast. So I edited it down as much as I could. But if you're at all moved by this music, Tarkus is an important song in Prague history and especially with this band. It comes from the album Tarkus, which has maybe the worst album cover. Well, I can't say that in Prague. They all had really weird-ass, terrible album covers. But Tarkus is right up there. Looks like something I would draw in ninth grade. It's like an armadillo with a tank that leaves destruction in its wake. And the song was pretty much an anti-war song. But I advise listening to the whole thing. Funny thing about Tarkus is, it's a story about reverse evolution, not unlike Devo's de-evolution. So you could say that Emerson, Lake, and Palmer influenced Devo, if you were insane. The rest of the album, kind of middling, frankly. I just go with the title song. they put out pictures at an exhibition. It's a live album, and it was recorded at Newcastle City Hall in 1971. Keith Emerson wanted to arrange the piece after seeing an orchestral performance of Modest Mirsky's pictures at an exhibition a few years before. And this is really where the split comes to me, from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and, and the like being just unapproachable as far as a young musician goes. I can imagine learning to play Kiss songs or Cheap Trick songs or any of that stuff, but where are you going to get Banks and Banks of synthesizers from? Where are you going to get drums like that? How are you going to learn to transcribe a classical piece into rock music? I carry the dust of a journey That cannot be shaken Rivers 
to the shapes we now possess. To their credit, these guys were amazing musicians. Amazing. Imagine sitting with a piece of work, a classical piece, and transcribing it like that, turning it into a rock and roll song, and making something interesting out of it that a lot of people would listen to back then. It was sort of highbrow hipster art for the late 60s and early 70s.
I'm sorry, bitches, but I think that song is rad. See, you can like all kinds of music, and I really appreciate this band. Trilogy is probably my favorite album out of the batch. The artwork was designed by Hypnosis, who did Pink Floyd and a number of other artists, but Salvador Dali was approached to design it, and he requested 50 grand to do it and was turned down. I would love to see what he came up with. The song Hoedown is an adaptation of Rodeo by Aaron Copeland, and it's been used in a lot of commercials. One thing that's really funny is I saw an 8-track tape of this album once that was quadraphonic. A quadraphonic 8-track tape. Look it up, guys. So by the beginning of 1973, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer had become commercially successful in both the U.S. and U.K. There's a lot of debate about which album represents the band best, and I think most would agree that Brain Salad Surgery, even if it's not THE one, it can't be denied. Great album cover, designed by H.R. Geiger, if you're familiar with his work, I love it, really good dark stuff. Read about him and his connection to the movie Alien, and his connection to the band Korn. But the phrase Brain Salad Surgery comes from a Dr. John song called Right Place, Wrong Time. Up in my mind, just got to give myself a good talking to this time. Just need a little brain salad surgery. I got to cure my insecurity. I've been in the wrong place, but it must have been the right time. Wanna be the pillow where I lay my head? Wanna be the feathers lying in my bed? Wanna be color cover magazine, create a scene. Every day a little sign. 
the song Let me tell you something You just couldn't be more wrong You see, I really have to tell you That it all gets so intense From my experience It just doesn't seem to make sense If you consider yourself a prog rock fan, you must own this record. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start.
gets pretty deep going on here. For example, the next two albums, Works and Works 1, were very lengthy records with very few songs. Works 1 is a double album with one side of an LP containing songs by each member, and the fourth side is group material. The Works albums were supported by a massive stadium tour that included bringing an orchestra and choir along with them. Can you imagine an orchestra and a choir with you on tour? Nowadays, if bands want to do that kind of thing, they work it out in advance with different cities to have their city orchestras learn the material and get the sheet music and play with the band when they arrive. But back then, ELP just brought them with them. Their stage show was massive. Keith would play a grand piano that would turn upside down and rotate end to end. And this was before Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. Keith was also known to use a knife given to him from Lemmy from Motorhead to stab the keys and hold them down. Carl Palmer played a rotating drum platform that came out to the audience, again, pre-Tommy Lee. And he had an acoustic drum kit that was fitted with pickups that triggered electronic sounds. So he predated electronic drums, for better or worse. And then, of course, they had cannons going off. Their stage show was so massive that they had to rehearse in an abandoned cinema that they purchased as a rehearsal hall in London. I guess it's no accident that the band lost about $3 million on that tour. And it was all too much and was exactly the kind of thing that kicked off punk. last whimper of the original conception of the group was an album called Love Beach, 
which is unlistenable and has a bad album cover. The group was falling apart and disinterested in the whole project, and it's universally reviled, even by most ELP fans. In 1986, they were going to have a reunion in light of the success that bands like Yes were having in their second life. But Palmer was not available, so they found another drummer with the letter P, Powell, Cozy Pal, so that they could still be ELP. And what happened was, um, I was already making a record. Couldn't get out of the contract, had to be fulfilled. Right. They wanted to go out, I thought it was a great idea. In came Pal, and off they went. No, when no, that no, finished... And didn't no, you no, feel no. that that was wrong for Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer? Oh, they should have waited out. for you. I felt wonderful. No, wait, come on, tell me. You... I felt great about it. There was no, you wrong. didn't. I thought it was wonderful. Really? I made money out of that. They made money out of it. A lot of people saw two-thirds of a very, very big band. They had their first reunion in the 90s, and then a few after that. But sadly, Keith Emerson died in March of 2016 from a gunshot wound to the head that was ruled as a suicide. He had been having medical issues, and from what I understand, had kind of always suffered from a bit of depression. Greg Lake died of cancer on December 7th of that same year. Carl Palmer, still out there today, still playing, and I believe the one that he's heading out is called the ELP Experience. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I really just don't know. It's sort of impossible to ask, you know. Like, I'm a musician, and that's why I'd like it to stay, really. I, I probably wouldn't choose a job. I'd commit suicide. Emerson was struggling with nerve damage to his right hand, which was affecting his keyboard playing. He had a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, police stated. C'est la vie. Have your leaves all turned to brown. Will you scatter them around you, c'est la vie? Do you love? And then how am I to know If you don't let your love show for me, c'est la vie? In the night Do you light a lover's fire Do the ashes of desire for you remain Like the sea there's a love too deep to show Took a storm before my love flowed for you C'est la vie
Greg Lake, the singer and bass player for British 1970s progressive rock groups Emerson, Lake and Palmer and King Crimson, has died aged 69. He composed the hit song, I Believe in Father Christmas. Lake passed away after what's described as a long and stubborn battle with cancer. But despite their success and influence, ELP received heavy criticism by most music critics. They were called overbearing, self-important, masturbatory, and some said... They represented everything wrong with progressive rock. But John Peel, whom I have great respect for, went so far as to describe the band as having a tragic waste of talent and electricity. Blender Magazine have named ELP as the second worst artist in music history, only behind Insane Clown Posse. Now, I've never emulated this band. I would have no idea how to even plug in their instruments. And I think this is at the heart of the negativity towards the group. Most people can't relate to that. But most people can't relate to opera. Most people can't relate to John Coltrane. Most people can't relate to Ravi Shankar. Those aren't acts that you just pick up an instrument and learn to copy in your first few hours of holding the instrument. That's where the Ramones come in, and that's great. But if you'll notice, in the span of this podcast, I've covered all sorts of groups. And yes, I can have the Cramps and ELP in my record collection. So I hope you've learned a little something. I had another artist all ready to go for a Christmas release, but the only Christmas song I really like that I can think of is Father Christmas by ELP. So I figured I would bump the other one and go back to my seventh grade self and say Merry Christmas. There'll be snow at Christmas They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light and a distant choir And the peal of a bell and that Christmas tree smell Eyes full of tinsel and fire They sold me a dream of Christmas they sold me a silent night They told me a fairy story Till I believed in the Israelite And I believed in Father Christmas I looked to the sky with excited eyes Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn And I saw him through his disguise Wish you a hopeful Christmas 
by Donnie Shattuck. Here we go.